0: Welcome to the Gate 7 International Podcast, your official English source for Olympiakos FC and the Greek Super League. Today we are coming at you with Episode 9 of the Midweek Series. My name is Peter Thompson. I am back after my short hiatus this weekend. I am now First Aid Certified, folks, so we're good to go there. Lambro, unfortunately, is missing. We will soon get you a podcast with all three of the hosts together But in the meantime, we've got our super sub, as usual, Vimo George, on to replace him. I'm also here with Ali Bouloubasis, of course, and our special guest, most importantly, Michael Vissini. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. We're really excited for this episode. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. I'm doing great, guys. Um, And good evening to the listeners as well. Um, It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, well, it's a pleasure for us to have you and we're excited to get into it. Michael's coming to us from Australia. I'm here about 16 hours or something behind him, so it's an early morning for me, but I'm (laughs) nonetheless excited to get into this podcast. Michael, as we've talked about before, is a supporter of Larissa, so we will get into that and we will also discuss some other things going on in the landscape of Greek football. Before I get into that, I do have a few announcements to make about the podcast, on our next weekend episode, we will be joined by Theo Buras from Agona Sport. You all will be seeing that on Monday, October 26. We will be discussing the Marseille game that happens after we recorded this today, as well as pre-match for Porto in next week's Champions League. We are recording this before the Marseille game, so keep that in mind. On Next midweek series, we will be joined by Antonios from Heras Football. You will be seeing that one, I believe, on Friday, October 29th. He will be joining us to discuss Panathinaikos' current situation, the rivalry between Panathinaikos and Olympiakos, as well as upcoming fixtures for the Europa League. You can follow him at PIRUS7019. On Sunday, November 1st, we have a guest that we are so surprised about, we're not going to tell you who it is yet. This is going to be a massive one, and that's why we're going to be using it as a bit of a surprise. More information will be coming as we get closer to the day, but this is going to be a huge one, folks. On Thursday, November fifth, we will be joined by a correspondent from Pauk Talk, which is a new podcast about Pauk that we are really excited to see jumping up, and we look forward to collaborating with them as Pauk continue their European campaign. Finally. The episode with Bob Beans has been pushed back a week, so that will be coming out on Monday, November 9th. He will be returning to discuss Olympiacos as usual. You can follow him at Olympiacos underscore E-N-G. That's Olympiacos with a K. And don't forget to visit his website, threelosworld.com, for more English articles and info about Olympiacos. Lastly, I want to say thank you again to our sponsor, Piraeus International Incorporated. Piraeus International has been importing and exporting cargo for companies and individuals for over 40 years. They can assist you in importing olive oil, marble, or any other goodies from Greece. They can also assist in exporting, whether you have one box or a full household of items that need to be sent over. Check them out at PiraeusINTL.com and give them a call at 410-675-4696. And getting into some news for Greek football in general, Kostas Manodas, who has been famously exiled from the Greek national team, did an interview about the national team that has inspired a lot of reactions. We'll get into this more later, but definitely very split reaction, as you would expect with such a talented player who has done some questionable things and been left out of the ethnic key. Additionally, Panathinaikos have confirmed the hiring of their new manager, Laszlo Boloni. Pau fans met players at the airport after their draw with Ofi. Seems like things are interesting around there and the fans might not be in the highest of spirits, but we'll get into that more next midweek series when we get to hear about the situation with Panathinaikos. And Pauk have given up on getting Misic back on loan. Of course, he was one of their best players last season. Unfortunately, he's not going to be with them this year. He will be going back on loan to Dinamo Zagreb in Croatia. A bit of a late transfer, but the Croatian window has actually just closed. And one last bit of news related to Olympiakos. Mari Kamara has tested positive for the coronavirus, folks. We were worried about this when some Guinean players tested positive on international break. Obviously, international break seems to just be harboring coronavirus cases, and now Olympiacos will be without Madi for their game against Marseille today, which is obviously a big loss. Definitely not good news. Not for us at all. Yeah. As as I mentioned, we haven't watched the game yet. Maybe we'll all be proven wrong. Uh, You folks probably won't see this until after the game comes out, but Either way, uh, we're hoping for the best and we're hoping Madi makes a strong recovery. Anyway, uh, Michael, we want to pivot over to you now. So you're a writer for Hellas Football, obviously covering a team that is not one of the main recognizable teams in Greece. And it's really nice that Hellas Football has someone covering uh, Larissa as a nice diversity. So... We want to know from you, how did you get into this club and how long have you been a fan of them? And what are your thoughts on what they've been doing uh, in the transfer market?
1: Uh, First of all, I want to say how I first started uh, supporting the club. I was uh, um, my Mapapu was a hardcore fan. So he was attending matches, um, you know, from his younger days. During the golden age of the club, the 1980s, that was a big era of the club. So we won the... That's when we reached our first Greek Cup final in 1982. Unfortunately, we lost 1-0. But it's great to see that we have clubs like uh, Larissa and in Europe and, and whatnot, like Orfi Crete. But, okay, let's move on to three years later, the 1987-1988 Alpha Ethniki season. What a miracle that was. Uh, I wasn't around then, obviously, but that was such a, an incredible time for the club. We won the Alpha Ethnic the 1987-88 season. All thanks to Yorgos Smitsy-Bonas. May he rest in peace. Transitioned from a a forward to a centre-back and to score such a screamer, a a spectacular volley. Um, If you go and see the clip on YouTube, it's just unbelievable. It's pandemonium, last seconds of the match, and he scores such a goal and, and you trigger a pitch invasion. You'll never see scenes like that ever again in Greece, and that's wonderful for the club. Eventually after that, um, the 90s didn't see much success, um, but we had a couple of good players like Stefan Stoica and uh, Lefteris Milos, uh, a northern Epiroti player. from. He was born in Albania, um, and he transferred to Greece, and it was loved by all. Um, he was one of the main reasons we were part of, we were, you know, surviving relegations, but unfortunately in 1995-96 season, uh, without him, he was out injured for the whole season. We were relegated to the Vita Ethniki. Um, And we went back to the Vita Ethniki, and um, let me tell you something. The assistant coach of the Ethniki, Michael Valkanis, he was the captain. He was the captain of the club. And for, for about a couple of years or so, until he moved on to Iraklis, I think. And then I think we dropped down to the gamma-ethnic game. That was a bit of a dark period for us. But we we didn't stop there. We worked our way back up um, to the second division. We found Yorgos Donis. IL fans take him every day for bringing... He got us a Greek Cup title again. We won our second title in 2007 uh, against Panathinaikos. 2-1 in Volos another great achievement for the club but 4 years later we were relegated back to the Vita league due to financial trouble we've been up and down as a club and i can't say that um <laughs> i can't say that we uh, uh, deserve relegation we for as a club we, with our achievements we deserve to be at the top level it's just unfortunate that we have um such mismanagement at, at the club and right now it's ongoing with alexis Gurias, but He got us back into the top level, but right now, there's a lot of mismanagement going on. And how I became as a IL fan, as I said, my papa was a hardcore fan. He gave me um, IL kit gear in 2006, so I still have the gear till today, and I have not changed club ever since, and I'm a lightest boy, and I'm not going to change club, that's it, that's it.
2: Uh, that was some fantastic history, and we all love to see diehard fans. Greeks have a lot of passion, and that's why we're the best club fans in the world, in my opinion. Now, you brought off briefly Kuyas. Give us more of your thoughts on his presidency for, of course, the modern era. Uh, you're not the only Lariso supporter I've seen that's had words for him. He's also very outspoken in the league. Uh, We saw him make comments about the Ethniki that triggered some responses from the front office of Ike and Marisanidis himself. Uh, Give us more of your thoughts on Kukiasun and his current ownership and how the fans view it right now.
1: All IL fans, uh, it's a lot of dissatisfactory that we all want him out. Uh, We were not confident when he took over back in 2015. 2015 16 season was the last time we were in the second tier. We got promoted um, back to the Super League, and that was great to see. It was a full stadium that day against, I think it was against Hanya, and we beat them 1 0. But when he took over the club, um, one of my fellow Halas football writers who, follow, who closely follows Panachaiki, and he has the same thoughts as me because Alexis Kourias, when he was at Panachaiki, he destroyed the club. He absolutely destroyed the club with, with internal issues, everything, all these ultimatums he was putting up against players and staff and everything. You you do you do not want to see this at, at any club, even at Olympiakos, Panathinaikos, Ayak Balk. You don't want to see that at any club, and that's what's happened at Ayel. And also, when I wouldn't say we're in financial difficulty, he's got money, guys. He's a he's a well known lawyer in Greece, so I respect him as a lawyer. Him in the football world, him in the football world, do not put him in anywhere near your club. Say he was managing Olympiakos. Say he was the owner. Imagine what would happen to you guys. How would you feel if he was was owning your club? It's disaster.
2: Yeah, he reminds me of a Greek owner, actually, for baseball in the United States, Peter Angelos of the... Baltimore Orioles also who was a lawyer uh, made, made his, his millions with uh, millions, billions, even with that huge asbestos case. And then there were a lot of fans that had very similar issues in Baltimore with Peter Angelos after he passed off for his son. Cuyas is very outspoken with, with the ethnic key as well. Do you agree with what he said with regards to the ethnic key?
1: Well, look, I'm, I have read his comments. He does post some, some points regarding Fortunis for and Mandalos. I mean, that's quite obvious. Fortunis should be starting for the ethnic key um, instead of Bacasetas. Bacasetas, he, he is a 10, but he's not the sort of 10 that you need right now. We need Fortunis, we need goals, we need creativity. We exactly. need some attacking intelligence. As for his comments on Siovas, Manolas, Socrates, I have to be honest, guys, and first things first, no one is above the national team, no one, but we don't know what happened between Manolas and Socrates, because I read a report last year in Pazeta that the door is open for both of them. And with um, recent comments from Manolas, Manolas has not had contact with John Van Skip for a year, because Van Skip had a plan to bring in new blood into the team, but he was not informed if he was going to be part of the plans. That is a major concern especially on John Van Skip's part. And if you read my blog, after the international friendly with Austria, I did mention the three missing elements from John Van Skip. And one of them was consistency on team selections. And that also includes exclusions as well. You can also include seclusion. But John Van Skip is at fault for mismanaging his players, not setting the right attitude for them, I'll admit I was blind to see what was going on. I've woken up now. With Manolas saying these comments on on Mega TV, uh, we've got to start asking questions. It, it is now start. It's now time to start asking questions. It, it doesn't matter if the Nations League is not over. We we still have to ask questions. What the hell is going on? But he did go further, Alexis Gourias. And he pointed the finger at Lazarus Rota. I'm like, why are you pointing the finger at Lazarus Rota? And you go on to suggest uh, a right back from Asteras Tripolis that Anastasialis called up and did absolutely nothing. (laughs) Yanis Kotseras. Yanis Kotseras, that baffled me so much. (laughs) Why was he called up? What for? He also called up Mavrigas. Are you absolutely kidding me? (laughs) Yeah. Alexis Górez then went on to suggest Manolis Bertos. This guy is deluded. This guy is absolutely deluded. Manolis Bertos is not ethnic immaterial in any way. I have watched IL games week in, week out. Manolis Bertos, it doesn't matter if he's experienced. I've seen him play. He's a clunky player. He may be a hard worker, but he's not ethnic immaterial. Who is good to to suggest these players? Let me tell you something, guys. Most of the transfers that he's done at the club is his choice. They've mostly come for the Balkans. And I'm talking about Serbians, Croatians, Bosnians. They're, most of them have failed at A.L. IL. I'll name you four players that have excelled so far. Milos Deletic. Uh, unfortunately, he's not getting his chances at AIC, And rightly so. Carrera doesn't rate him. Radomir Milosaljevic, I was surprised that he's excelling so far. He's a great player to watch. Um, another one is Seserovic. He was being looked at by the Bosnian national team sometime last year and that's great to see. And another one was Stankovic and unfortunately he was released and I, I did not agree with his release because we went off to sign another left back and it, it's just a really a really big mess. But what I'm trying to say here, guys, is Gourias has no right to suggest which players should be called up to the ethnic team when he has signed a lot of rejects for the club.
2: Yeah, uh, I agree. I definitely agree with you there. I thought he was making a good point up until he started making some of his, let's say, recommendations for call-ups for the Ethnic East squad, you know, and then pointing to what's going on with Larissa now. He is recommending some of these players when some of the players he's brought in have not helped Larissa. You know, you brought uh, Milos, uh, say his name again, Miloslav Milosavich. Um, Milosavich,
1: Okay, I call, I I call him Milo. Milo, but i can I'll just I'm able, that as well. I'm able to say his full name because I'm, I'm always into... I always <laughs> memorize my, my squad.
2: Of course. So I'll just call Milo as well to avoid yeah. absolutely butchering his name. But he was, for me, when I was looking at some of the film leading up to this episode, uh, one of the brighter spots of the of Larissa. Larissa right now is not starting the league off too well. Two goals in four games. So far, uh, they have the second worst efficiency when it comes to positional attacks. Only 16% of Ladisa's positional attacks end up with a shot. Uh, they are better on the counter. Their counter is like 28%. However, they are only averaging one counter a game. So four games, they basically have gotten four counters, and they've gone two games without actually creating a counter at all. And you can speak to this problem in terms of the, the lack of creativity. You know, we have Milo, who is actually having, he's pretty, doing pretty well. His positional mapping is good. He is the player involved in the majority of link-up with Larissa as well. Uh, primarily on the left side, but he's the one that's getting involved in most of the link-up play. But the leading creator, with only three games played so far for Larissa, well, three out of four, which isn't bad, is Fjorn Dermishai. He has created the most opportunities, which is only two shot assists, one key pass, uh, various through balls, and three passes into the penalty area. That's not really good. When you see a player like Dermishai, who really disappointed at Olympiacos, never really came to be anything we thought he would, goes to Larissa, we thought maybe he would excel there, and even though he is kind of one of the leaders in terms of creation, this isn't good. So as a Larissa fan... What do you guys see as being the result of all this? Do you see relegation? Do you think this can be, the ship can be righted? How are you viewing this current situation right now?
1: What you just said, the ship can be righted. Uh, let's write that off because as far as I know, we have um, two wins in 2020. Two wins in 2020. And Alexis Gutierrez, gave um, the coach, Michalis Grigoriou, uh, an extension in April. Are you absolutely kidding me? This guy can't coach. His tactics are wrong. We don't even play uh, inspiring football. This, this is ugly football that we're playing. I'm sorry, guys, but Milja he's a hard worker, and I feel for him. He deserves to move to move elsewhere, lo- just like Christensen. He's now at Olympiakos. I think it was the wrong move, in my opinion, but... He was a top goalkeeper, and I absolutely uh, admired him. He got MVP uh, two seasons in a row. Yep. He kept us out, and he made a lot of great saves. He's, his reflexes are amazing. And for him, just bear this in mind, he's an Icelandic international. And it's kind of rare for us to, well, for now, don't go back the last two decades, look at it now, the club. It's For us, it's a surprise that we're signing international players. Such as Tim Sparv. Uh so far promising. I'm hoping to see more of him though, but I'd rather see him as centre back right now because the centre back situation right now. Nikola Zizic is another one. Is another defender that I like, but he's very injury prone. Alexis Mikhail, for me, he's a and a legend. He's he was there since he was a kid. He's moved on to IL. He's a he's a he's a decent veteran, but. But um, he's also injured, two months. And if you guys watched the transfer window, we were about to sign Lucas Spendelhofer from Sturm Graz. That in our exercise, because there was a miscommunication with the managers. I saw uh, that.
2: I, I wasn't really yeah. sure what the issue was. I just saw that. it was like, oh, there seems to be some kind of miscommunication. I didn't understand
1: at all. There was no context. Yeah, it, it just said miscommunication with the players, and uh, managers. And then we went on to sign... Varazdat Harian, the the captain of the Armenian national team. Now, if you guys saw the post on the last football, he was called up to the Armenian army and that eventually cancelled the transfer. And that triggered a lot of Armenians to invade the post. (laughs) But um, I eventually found out later that he was in fact called, he was in fact called for the Armenian army, but he was only a reserve but he had to stay put in Russia, I think, or in Armenia. And now he's playing for FC Tambov, and I think that's a Russian club. It's a shame that we did not uh, continue our search for signing another centre-back. That's the most important area right now, and the free agent window ends this Friday. And yeah. you know, What are we going to do without Zizich and Mikhail? We're going to play Iliadis, mm-hmm. who came from the Football League in January, from the Agoras. And we have Mateo Muzek, a left back. Don't play him there ever again. And center back, he's not suited. Even though he scored a goal against Asteras, he's not there. I'd rather see Tim Spav there. He's experienced. He's versatile. He's a leader on the pitch.
2: Yeah. It's a a tough spot. But, uh, you know, we're going to hope for the best and hope Lardis can pull something out, find a a winning system and, you know, and... Stay alive in the Ethniki. Now, moving on, you already touched briefly on it. You mentioned Manola previously. We did want to talk about that Manola interview um, that's kind of been shaking up social media, some split opinions about it. Um, you know, for us, it's pretty clear, especially on our podcast. Lambro has already written off JVS. He's not with us here today. Peter and I are, I, I won't say we're panicking yet. We are definitely down right now. We believe in the system, but we, we don't believe in the player personnel. We don't think that JVS is acting like a real coach. And when I say act like a real coach, look at how he approaches these games. And when he approaches the media, as a coach, you want to see confidence you know, it's okay for you as a coach to go in and say, no, I'm expecting to win this. And it's okay for you to say, no, we didn't play well today. You know, you're not knocking your players. You're being honest. And then you talk to your players and you explain what you want out of them. Look at what Pedro Martin said ahead of our Champions League clash today. We are fighting for second place. Manchester City is the, is the favorite. They're probably going to win this. But We are fighting for second place. He didn't say, oh, guys, hey, you know, fourth is really likely, so we should temper our expectations. No. And that's what worries me about JVS. I don't think he has confidence. He always tempers us for – kind of prepares us for failure, which is unacceptable to me when it comes to Moldova and Kosovo. So if we were struggling like we are now against better teams, like if it were Austria, for example, I would be more happy. But it's Kosovo and Moldova. And to hear him say, oh, Moldova had a great defense when they just got shellacked by Slovenia, I'm sorry. So that's kind of where we are. Uh, Vimo, Vimo has made some of his opinions pretty clear as well on a previous podcast, but I wanted to know what you guys thought about this interview. Vimo, give us a start. What did you think about this Manola interview? Did you think Manola said anything super inflammatory you know, he joked, he kind of joked about, hey, if anybody brings me up, are they going to get sent out too? You know, he he brought up that he had that conversation with JVS and that JVS wanted to try younger people. If you were Manolá, how would you feel when you're seeing Savelas and Stafi Levi starting in the CB when the coach told you that he's starting younger people?
3: Well, uh, I followed Manolá very closely while he was at Roma and his development hasn't been what I expected. I mean, I expected the world for him when he was out of the playing in the Champions League against Manchester United, and the way he was completely handling Robin Van Persie in that fixture in IDEA, you know, and just the look on RVP's face where he just felt defeated by Manola, I thought, this guy's going to be the next thing. Like, I was expecting Van Dyke level growth out of him, but unfortunately... His career at Roma was faced with tons of just turnover top to bottom in Roma's management. And I think he never really got that coach to settle him down and teach him how to play efficient defending, kind of like make it look easy instead of, whereas he relies on his speed a lot to make these kind of hero last-ditch tackles instead of reading the game and snuffing it out with an easy positional shift. That being said, he's still more than likely our best center back for the Ethniki. And he's still one of the top center backs in Europe. His first season at Napoli was a little shaky, couldn't figure out how to gel with Koulibaly, but from how their season's going so far, it seems like he's kind of figured it out with him. And we've seen him for the Ethniki, have a great partnership with Sokrati. And this in mind, it's not like if you wanted to, I guess, keep him out for maybe Suavas who's a little bit more stable of a guy or maybe invest in these young players like Mihalidis and Varanaz and give them all the minutes and say we're not playing we're not trying to get into this tournament we're trying to build foundations for the next tournaments which we kind of see with like for example the Italian national team is all youngsters and now they've turned into this golden generation of like early 20 year olds if you're going to keep them on the lot of the national team for that fine i'm cool with that like, have a plan, stick to the plan, say, Socrates and Manolá were great for the key in their time, but we're building for the future now. That's what we got to do. But you're not building for the future when you're starting Tavelas, a left-back that that's older than Manolá and has literally contributed less than 1% of what Manolá has brought to the key So it's almost like it's just this hypocrisy on JVS's part to leave Manolai out for the reasons why he is. If he came flat out, came out and said, you know what? Manolai's got a bad attitude. I don't like it. I'm dropping him, which is what the kept the out of the, the roster for. Then fine, keep him out. But the reasons haven't been clear. Like Manolai, I guess, said in his interview, I haven't actually been able to hear it. It's He's not gotten a clear answer from KVS on am I in, am I out? Why am I out? So... Yeah, I just think the whole situation has been completely mismanaged. I think Matalat does have the right to address it.
1: Uh, on the point demo that you suggest, that you said, um, Manalas has a bad attitude, let's kick him out of the team. It, it is John Van Skip's responsibility to set his attitude straight and give him a winning mentality. Isn't that right for all coaches? For all coaches, set the right mentality for the players. It doesn't matter if they have a bad attitude. I'll admit, and I did say this before, that I was blind to what was happening because I wanted a coaching change and the ethnic year mother was in a bad state. So now we're in a year later and we now see a bigger picture. Now, guys, I know John Van Skip. I'm in Australia. He coached in Australia. He was with Melbourne City. He coached them twice. What has he achieved? What has he achieved in his coaching career? Just an Australian cup, as we call the FFA Cup here. Has he applied club mentality into the national team? What do you guys think?
3: Obviously, it's a little different where you're not worried about like transfers and player values. It's you've got a pool of guys that are they can be on your team or not. It's completely up to you, which kind of even simplifies things. But yeah, kind of to to build on that, what you were saying earlier about like not handling the monolith situation right reading about what Rehagil did with Giorgazos, he gave him looks. He, he brought him onto the E and saw him play for himself and watched him actually train with the team and interact with the team. And he saw the was putting himself in front or above the E. And that's when Rehagil said, hard line in the sand, he's gone. He I don't want him. He's not going to be a part of what I'm trying to do here. Whereas JVS we haven't seen manola he hasn't been training with the ethnic he hasn't we haven't seen him on the field we haven't seen how he's going to interact with this new team if jvs said you know what this is what i demand no one's above the ethnic no one's above in a kind of egomaniac way no one's above me as long as it's like a hard line like what hagel did then manola either has to get his act together or then jvs is completely justified in I guess, banishing him from the E, but we haven't even seen Monolah been given that opportunity in terms of what he's been doing with the E and the whole Monolah situation. I'm not seeing it being handled in a way that I can wrap my head around and justify.
0: Yeah, I kind of feel the same way when you consider the fact that JVS hasn't really concretely addressed the situation, and it just makes me think that he's afraid for some reason to make the claim when in reality he should, as the manager of the Ethniki, he should be very solidified about his position on these players. He clearly doesn't want to include them. They're clearly talented enough to be in the team. And I mean, I think Manola probably said it as a joke, but for Shiovas to even just basically mention his name in a positive manner and then be removed from the team... Clearly, there's something there, and the fact that Venship has not just addressed it head-on is really concerning for me, because I don't have a problem with him saying, look, you can't do that, your attitude is not right, we don't want you in the team. But he just hasn't even said that, and it's honestly confusing to me, because I just want to know, look, are we getting Manola back? What do you expect from your players— it's just confusing because, and as Vemos said, we have other older players in the team who were, in my mind, sort of associated with the sort of Mikonos FC era that was highlighted by Manola and Sokratis and all these players who were perceived as not giving very much effort. And some of them are still in the team with Saveras and Staffinidis and whatnot. So it's a bit confusing to me, certainly. And I definitely am interested to hear
2: what Ship has to say about Manola. I'm sure he will be asked about it. Of course. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him pop up again on open TV, maybe to do a oh my God. You know, <laughs> character assault on Manola this time, like he did with Siovas. And I want to remind the listeners about the context of what both Siovas and Manola said. So when Siovas got basically attacked by JVS on open TV, in context – Siovas said that for, some, that for somebody like Svarnas to perform better and to a better ability, he needs to be next to a guy like Manola, not Siovas. Don't look at the out-of-context Greek clips that were posted as headlines. He didn't say, oh, you know, we're not going to win because we have Svarnas there. I saw that clip multiple times, and it's not true. It was com- taken completely out of context he was making a statement that Manola should be starting next to Svarnas if you want to get the best out of a guy like Svarnas or a young CB like that. So it was complete, taken completely out of context. We'll never see CEO of us in the national team again because of it. Now, Manola came out, and people attacked him for joking. Oh, if somebody else brings up my name, are they going to you know throw them out too? And they thought it was a, an assault on JVS's character. Relax. Relax. If JVS is going to have an ego trip every single time something like this happens, now, again, before I continue with that thought, I'm not defending what Siovas or Manola are saying. Because me personally, if I were a player, I wouldn't do it. And also, as a player, I don't want to see other players or friends of mine doing that and causing this kind of chaos. Now, again, you are a coach, You are supposed to be the bigger person. You are supposed to be reigning in these personalities. This is a Greek national team with a lot of personalities, okay? So you need to be a big boy. You need to grow a pair, and you need to manage these personalities. If JVS can't do that, he needs to take a step back then. He needs to walk away. Now, I don't want him. Again, I know I've seen some people calling for his head. I don't want that right now. I want him to finish the campaign. Let's see what happens. But right now, I don't feel good about it.
3: Yeah, me neither. And it's nice hearing the complete picture of what these two guys said. But when you actually hear what Siovas was saying, it's not like, it's not what these guys like Gagatos and what these divas in the past were doing, which made Radio draw the line in the sand and banish these guys. Siovas was literally explaining, don't play me, place somebody else in my place to make younger guys who are already on the FBQ better and make the key e as a whole better. So what he was doing is what JBS or any manager of a team, national team or club team or whatever, that's what you would want, in my opinion, what you'd want to hear your players saying. Exactly. Like, not, oh, I deserve to be on this team. I'm the best. Uh, play me wise. That's not what he was saying. He was saying, for the sake of the key, e, this guy will make this other guy better play this guy ahead of me. And in my head, that sounds like exactly the kind of thing what you'd want to hear. You want to hear players put putting the team ahead of yourself. So it amazes me that the response to this was JVS hearing from secondhand sources, not getting to hear the actual quotes from him, or maybe hearing the quotes and just saying, this is him trying to step to me. I'm going to behave not like a, a parental figure or a leader with these guys. I'm going to act like I'm a 16-year-old or a teenager and say, You're not invited to my birthday party anymore because what I heard you say from this person who told this person who then told me. Like it's just, it shows immaturity, it shows a lack of leadership, and all, all it is is pure toxicity for the national team and it hurts the ethnic team. And for me, that's beyond a huge concern. I know Adi wants to keep him on for the rest of the campaign, but considering the results and what's been going on behind the scenes and the more I read this book and the more I see the contrast between JVS and Hagel, I'll guess I'm going to sub in for Lambert even more and say, uh, if, if they got rid of them, I wouldn't be like, Oh no, they shouldn't have. Like, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to shed a tear. I'm not, I'm not really worried about it. At, at this point, it's the EPO's decision, but whichever way they go, I'm, I'm
1: on board. Um, so regarding uh, Siovas' post-match comments now, we, of course, it's been talked over. Uh, after the Kosovo match, maybe 1-2-1 one, one away, uh, you could argue that Siovas should not have said those comments publicly. He said what he said. I'll admit, I somewhat agree with his comments. Experienced players should come back to the team. And uh, someone someone experienced next to Varnas he would improve a lot. But the thing was, Vardanas is, and if you guys listen to Greg Gavalas from Elas Football, he, he knows varnas very well. He watches Ayek week in, week out. He's he's a substitute, guys. This is concerning for our backline on the ethnic e. If we're gonna rely on a substitute for Ayek, be very concerned. Be very concerned. You would you would want to see Mavropano start, Rezo start. Those two guys, they would be starting for the ethnic e right now. But unfortunately, injuries is hampering their chances. Mm-hmm. Zvarnas, look, I don't hate the guy, he's developing. I hope he, he becomes a good player, but he needs someone big next to him. And probably he's giving, probably he's having lessons from Chigrinsky mm-hmm. right now. But right now uh, we cannot rely on Zvardnas. We cannot rely also on Stafyldis. Oh. Get him out of the ethnic year. He's too injury prone, too error prone. He is made of um, bubble wrap. Savvas, so I don't know what he's doing back in the ethnic year. Uh, I don't hate the guy as well, but it is such an unusual uh, call up that one centre-back is missing and I do rate him and he's at Banathinaikos his name is Achilleus Pongodas I'm surprised he's not been called up he's such a talented uh, centre-back I know he came from, he came from Balk and he got his chances at Igos. he had a terrific season last season partnering with Bas Genkenveld. of course he's much more, much better quality than Svarnas but this is John Van Skip's selections but if Siovas can't respect his decisions and um, I don't think that's enough to deserve to be excluded but Z- Siovas previously has, had, has undermined a coach before, and that was Anastasiades. Mm. Anastasiades last year came out in a radio. He mentioned players that swore at him. Uh, he mentioned Siovas, Socrates and Manolas, and I forgot yes. the fourth player. Um, I stood with Anastasiades. As a player, you do not undermine coaches' authorities. There was a report last year. I don't know if it's been confirmed that there was a locker room exchange between Siovas and Anastasiades he refused to play left back okay he's never played left back before don't dis- don't disobey the coach's instructions even if it's the most ridiculous one obey it this was against the big match in Athens with Italy we lost 3-0 we played so horrible and then you saw a quick change of a lineup we we went for a 3-5-2 what for anyways Siovas refused to play left-back. That, that was the thing. And right now, what he said with the post-match comments recently uh, with the Kosovo match, it is not as nasty as what he did last year. Yep. It's not enough to deserve an exclusion. So, John Van Skip, he knows Siovas' comments. It's freedom of speech. This is freedom of speech, guys. This should have been discussed privately. You can also fault Siovas for saying this on public television too. Of course. Yeah. John Van Skip and Ciovas dragged this publicly. They're both at fault. I'm sorry, guys. You can defend you can defend Siovas's comments. There's nothing wrong with that. But as a footballer, you do not come out and say those comments. It should be discussed privately.
2: No, I I that's something I do agree with you. That's why I don't even though sometimes I defend the statement, I don't defend what he did. As a player myself and as a player who, you know, injury kept me from my college career. Uh, I never did that. I had a Greek coach too. God forbid I ever cursed at him. Uh, he probably would have actually punched me. I have no idea. But I never would have dared to do some of the stuff I heard You know that was said to Anastasiadis. Now, obviously, we could talk literally all day about the national team, about the interviews, everything. Uh, but we do have some other things we have to move on to. We have two important Europa League games for Greek, for Greek teams. Balk is playing against Ammonia. Some of you may remember Libyakos played Ammonia, beat them beat them over two legs in order to move on to the group stage of Champions League. Just as a quick highlight, uh, Ammonia has two league wins going directly into this game. Balk had a win and a tough derby draw. So in terms of form, they're both more or less on equal footing. Both teams, interestingly enough, they line up for Europe much more defensively and they don't possess much. Um, every European game, besides the second leg of Krasnodar, Balk has never attempted more than 350 passes. Now, some of you might look at that and say, well, what does that mean? 350 passes sounds like a lot. In Greece, Balk is averaging close to 500 passes a game when they're playing Greek competition. So Balk is on a more offensive leg when they're in Greece and they treat Greece as such, but obviously they play much more defensive when it comes to Europe. Omonia is in a similar position in Cyprus, but in Cyprus, they still don't really pass the ball that often. They are much more defensive more of the time. Um, They only really played attacking against guys like Leia Warsaw and Ararat that they played in the Champions League qualifiers. But it's going to be an interesting game because we have two teams that line up very defensively and somebody has to possess the ball. (laughs) So they both can't be defensive the whole game. So I'm really interested to see how this plays out.
0: Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one for sure. When we were discussing Olympiakos versus Ammonia, we had talked about how Ammonia are a lot like a Greek team, and this game will play out a lot like a league game, Uh, you know, a game against a Greek team. And I think it should be interesting as well because of the potential for some interesting counterattacking football, obviously with both teams probably looking to take a more defensive initiative. Ammonia, a very scrappy team in general, and As we've talked about, they've had a very defensive campaign in Europe. Now, I'm concerned about Pauk primarily for the right-back position. We obviously know Pauk traditionally line up in their three-at-the-back formation, and they've had a lot of trouble finding a good right-back. Crespo, not a bad player, but out of position. And then Musa Wage, who I personally haven't been really impressed with on loan from Barcelona Omonia like to go down the left side traditionally which is what we've seen with Yishchak, I think that's how that's said, comes very high up. I'm a bit worried about that for Palk on the right side.
2: Uh, Yishchak is at, he's their left back but he pushes all I mean when you I it's easy to confuse because when you look at the positional mapping he's in the top third of the field always. So he pushes really far up. And on those attacks which allows their their forwards to kind of go more central. Uh, but yeah, they do love to attack that left side and Balk don't really have that right-back solution. And that kid that came from the Barca Academy isn't exactly... Uh, <laughs> he doesn't exactly instill confidence.
1: Um, just one thought on Ammonia. They're a very counter-attacking counter side. So I'll have to watch out. We saw it against Olympiacos guys and there are no uh, minnows. They're, they're separate giants. There's no question about it. They're back in Europe after some downfall in the last decade. Park have to watch out. They're a, they're a counter-attacking side. We saw it against Olympiakos. We saw it in Perejas that they try to hit, hit Olympiakos on the counter, and they, they targeted Holabas. I noticed that a lot. And in the second leg, Olympiacos, they, they should have won that match. They had a lot of a lot of shots. I don't know mm-hmm. how they scored. Fabiano's a top goalkeeper. Yep. It came from Porto, just like Jose Sarr about going to score past him with Antonio Tolak, 3.5 million signing and he's yet to score we'll wait and see is Karol Zvideski going, going to start instead we'll find out Thomas Murg uh, Dimitris Pelkas replacement uh, scored a goal against Ajax in the derby in the last round uh, wasn't enough to judge because he, he was a substitute I'm interested to see if he will produce something in as a Pelkas replacement, yeah. even Zivkovic, even Zivkovic should be starting and not start. I mean, Solis uh, should be starting. For oh, these absolutely. matches, you need Solis. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Now bringing up the counter for ammonia And I mean, we, like you said, against Libia Kos, we saw them cover great distance on the counter and it looked very threatening. So we, we went through the data and we were kind of looking at how Ammonia's, how their attacks line up, how their counterattacks line up. And I was surprised to see this in Europe so far, Ammonia's attack, as you can expect, is pretty toothless. Their positional attacks only result in shots 14.4% of the time, uh, it's pretty pretty bad. We had mentioned that Larissa at 16%, and that's the second worst in the Greek Super League. So 14.4% is pretty bad. Now it is Europe, of course. They play against better competition, so you, you would expect it not to be very effective. Now, their counters only result in a shot 8% of the time, which surprised me because they cover ground so well on their counters. But there's some important context to remember here. Maybe only 8% of their counters result in a shot, but they don't need many shots to convert. Ammonia have only had nine shots on target in their European campaign so far. Of those nine shots on target, five goals. So if they get it on target, more than 50% of the time, it goes in. Now, why is that scary? Because some people, some Bach fans will say, hey, all that means is Bach has to watch the counter and divert pressure outside, and they're good. Yeah, but it's easier said than done, because right now, 50% of counters that go against Baugh end up in a shot. So they should be very scared, and they do have to be worried about that counter, because they're very
1: susceptible to it. Now, remember, I think you mentioned before, it comes from the left side of Ammonia, the counter-attacks, right? Most of the time, that's correct. Most of the time. So say if Crespo starts, or Leo Matos, who, who is a decent right-back now, but he's aging. Say if they attack the right-back position what's going to happen and Moussa Waggy okay he's talented he's an upcoming talent for i think Senegal uh, online from Barcelona what i noticed with waggy is he pushes very high up on the field but can he track back that's that's the thing can he track back they better hope so i've noticed that lately with uh, moussa waggy he pushes very high and that could that could pose a threat
2: yeah uh, it it definitely will and and that's kind of where i have i i do see people on social media and the guy, actually, the guys in the the LS Football Podcast, they, you know, they're expecting Balk to win this uh, again. You know, uh, I don't know if we mentioned earlier, but you know, Michael, congratulations to you and the guys for starting up the LS Football Podcast. We were surprised when we started this that there was no LS Football Podcast already. So glad to see you guys getting in the game with that. The more soccer talk that we can listen to, the better. Now they expect that you know, if since Albacost beat them. Bauch can beat them. But let's be honest, guys. Alibiacos, and, and, you know, yes, I'm an Libyakos fan. I have bias. But as a neutral fan, I'm pretty sure you would agree as well. Alibiacos is a much more complete team right now than Balk is. Bauch have have good pieces. They have a very solid counter themselves. But in a game where they're going to be dominating possession and less likely to get the opportunities to counter we have to recognize that they're going to have to rely on their positional attacks. Now, in Europe, they do convert about 23.4% of their positional attacks a shot. That's not bad. That's actually a pretty solid metric. So that's what they're going to have to rely on. And they're going to have to rely on the creativity from guys like Zivkovic, who was, since they brought him in, I thought has looked pretty good. He's very dynamic. Um, Solis was incredible for them leading up in the qualifiers, but he's kind of cooled off a little bit, especially in Greece. So they're still going to need some of that creativity in order to break down this defense. So if we're going to do hot takes, which I want everybody to give a hot take, I want everybody to give me what their predicted score, you know, I think Balk on a good day beats this Ammonia comfortably. But the problem is we don't know what Balk we're going to get. And in Europe, they don't give me a lot of trust, even in Europa League. So... I'm not going to be surprised if we get a 1-1. Uh, we see a 1-1 draw on this.
1: I want, I want Balk to win, but as I said, and as we all know, Almonia are dangerous on the counterattack, and that is up to the Balk defense if they can, you know, prevent them, prevent the counterattacks and stop them, and score a couple of goals and, and win this match. Um, I'm sorry, guys, but I'm going to go for a Balk loss. 1-0 oh. <laughs> one nil, one nil win to Ammonia.
0: We asked I'm for sorry, hot takes, guys. to be fair. I, I
1: can't. I'm we not. Did. I don't know what the lineup will be. Will look like. I hope it's a strong lineup and get the win. But the way things are going, uh, I'm going for a loss.
2: Lambro is probably so sad. When he hears this, he's going to be so sad he wasn't here to hear this.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah we maybe this is a good one for Lambro to miss because he's just going to predict a 4 0 win for Ammonia. But I will say, and it's not a hot take, but I'm going to say 0 0 here. Uh, I expect maybe Pauk to get some shots on goal, but Fabiano in the net, I don't think anything's getting past him. He had a great, great showing in the second leg against Olympiacos. I think it's going to be 0-0. I know it's not a hot take, um, but I see two teams that probably won't have a good time scoring against each other. I expect a low scoring result either way. I wouldn't be surprised with an Omonia win or a Pauk win, but My gut is going with a nil-nil draw here for...
3: So, I mean, following follow through their Champions League qualifying campaign, they looked awesome against Benfica. It was a joy to see the way they played and the way they hammered Benfica and they played him off the field. But then I think it was in between those two qualifying fixtures. They sell. Limnios has been one of the few bright spots in the Ethniki. And now that they've failed to qualify for Champions League, they sold Chuba Apcom, they sold Belkas. It's seemingly like a whole new team. And in this specific year we're in, none of these teams have had really any kind of real preseason to put their squads and their systems together. So kind of like what Adi was saying, Falc isn't as stable or hasn't had that kind of consistency that Ljubljana has had. Same coach, same pretty much starting eleven. And in the context of that, I will give a hot take for the sake of the coefficient and the Greek League as a whole. I'm going to say, oh, they, they put it together in this game and they go out and they win. this.
2: I hope that's the case. Uh, and again, to remind, our, to remind our listeners, we're not going to get into too much of it today. But remember, the coefficient is a very, very real competition for us. This is a zero-sum game. Balk wins. Cyprus gets no coefficient points. Greece gets that much closer to the 15th spot, which ensures that we get two teams in Champions League for the following season. So, very important. We hope that Balk wins this. Greece, as a country, for the coefficient, we need Balk to win this. So, now that we got everybody's hot takes, let's move on to the next game. We've got Ike versus Braga. Uh, Ike is going into this with a loss, and then, of course, the derby draw against Balk. Uh, Braga has two wins and two losses to start the league. But, of course, two direct wins getting into this, so their form is pretty good. Now, Braga is a very, very contextual team. And what I mean by contextual is they have a a manager that is a game manager. He will adjust tactics as he needs to. They generally will take an offensive approach against, like, mid-table Portuguese or lower-table teams. But, of course, they will... Defend against some of the top teams in Portugal. So, bringing that in to this game, I believe that they're probably going to command the possession against Ike. They're going to treat it like that and they're going to go forward. Ike has been more defensive, of course, in their Europa League exploits so far. It's going to be a very tough midfield test for Simoes and Christosic again. They were a huge part of. Ike's success against St. Galen and against Wolfsburg, their work rate was incredible. Without the the hard work that they did in the midfield, Ike would not have had the success that they did have. So this is going to be huge because Braga also has an equally hard-working duo. In terms of their, their defensive metrics and their with their midfield win rates, They are very similar, if not actually a little bit better than both Simoes and Krista These guys are hard workers, and they are going to fight very hard. So this is going to be a very difficult midfield battle for Ike. But in my opinion, Ike did the same thing against harder competition. Wolfsburg, I think, on a whole, is a better team than Braga. They could do it against Wolfsburg. They can definitely do it against Braga.
0: One thing I want to bring up about Ike, just to remind people, Simoes will be missing this game. As I think Greg mentioned last week, obviously a big loss for Ike. He's been so good for them. Kristicic has been included in the squad, obviously. So I guess we might be seeing Shakov probably filling in for Shimoas there. I agree with your sentiment, Adi, that Wolfsburg are probably a better team than Braga. Um, I'm personally interested with you mentioning that Braga sort of line up differently against different teams. I'm interested in how they'll perceive Ike. You know, is, are they going to go into this like, oh, this is a small club, we're just going to try to attack, and then maybe potentially they're going to get caught on the counter or something like that, and that could be a risk for them? Or are they going to go into this team and say, look, Ike have a lot of good players, and maybe act more defensive? Is That's one thing that I would say I'm interested in. I think Ike probably have the attacking firepower, even without Levi Garcia, to potentially get some goals. Obviously, you've got Oliveira, you've got Karim Ansari-Fard, who had an amazing goal against Wolfsburg. He might start or he might come in as a sub. It the, should be interesting. I think I can line up in a lot of different ways, but yeah. I'm really interested in how Braga will play against them, not even necessarily line up, but the approach that they will take in the
2: game. According to Y Scout, in terms of their their formations, and these are formations that are used within the game as well as starting. They they use they line up and utilize the 442 40% of the time. Another 36% of the time they run the 5 4 1. You see them run the 5 4 1 against guys like Porto, you know, teams that they believe will be more offensive to them. They play with more of a sweeper that kind of helps uh, we'll, we'll call it a back three, even you know, three center backs really kind of solidify that back line. And then they also sometimes run with a four, two, three, one. The the four two three one tends to be a little bit more offensive for them. Um when they take that approach with the 442 I'd say being more of a balanced approach to a game but they like I said it's it's 40 36 20 you know they they use them pretty equally and they go between them constantly like I said against better teams we see the 541 against Porto and Benfica they use the 541 against teams like Tondela and Santa Clara they ran the 442 you know and then they played against uh, Nacional. Which is a much smaller team, of course, and they ran the four-two-three-one. They went more attacking, um, so I think they'll probably start the game because, again, this is Europe. We take every game seriously, and the Portuguese are pretty risk-averse in general. So I don't think they're they're going to run in this thinking, "Hey, right off the bat, we're a better team. We're going to be more offensive." So I don't think they're going to start off with a four-two-three-one. I think they might show Ike some respect, especially given how Ike has upset saint and Wolfsburg already. I think they'll roll with their 4-4-2 and it'll be a much more balanced game. And they're going to try and command that midfield. Their second striker is going to be looking to try to find some of those holes. They're going to be looking to get the ball forward to those guys between Ricardo Horta and Paulinho, both dangerous strikers that Ike need to be worried about. Ike's defense has done pretty well so far. Funny enough, one of their best defenders for their European campaign has been Svarnas. Svarnas, in terms of his defensive metrics, has been one of the best performers. And for the Ethniki, he's done pretty well. So we're going to hope that Svarnas, as a player, continues to develop and continues to have those good games. One, because we need him to for Ike in order for Ike to succeed, but also for the Ethniki as well. So this is going to be a really tough game. By far and away, it doesn't matter what metric we pull up, Braga's better. And especially now with the loss of Levi Garcia, you know, Ike don't attack well down the right side without him. Uh, When you look at how Ike has been doing their attacks, primarily the counterattacks, of course, it's usually down the left side or just straight up the middle. Most of the time, it's towards that left side. So I'm concerned with how they're going to attack, especially since in European play so far, they've only converted 10% of their positional attacks into shots. That's scary. And they've only converted... Two counters in the entire campaign so far into shots. They have remarkable efficiency because they're at, they're getting some of these goals, even though they've missed penalty kicks. Guys, don't forget, Ike has missed PKs in this in this campaign as well. So they're going to need some magic, and it's going to need to come from guys like Lavia and Oliveira if they want to have success in this leg.
1: This is the good reason why Carrera should go for the three-five-two again, even though. They didn't play well against Balk, but this is a good reason why they should go for the three-five-two. Start Oliveira and uh, Livaya up top, and have Mandalos as the ten. Have some have some uh, creative intelligence right up there, and uh, have um, Shakov and uh, Kusturice as your as your two midfielders. I think that'll be a, I think that'll be a good lineup. is uh, a manager I like. Uh, sometimes his selections are questionable. Have some have sometimes a worked out so um, I would like to see a 3 2 not a 4 3 at the moment uh, I don't think they have the players at the moment right now apart from Tankovic but I do not want to see Levia on the wing or Mandalos on the wing it hurts me to see Levia on the wing he, he's not that type of player uh, to be honest so a three-five-two is is good to go against Braga maybe they'll win maybe they'll win but this is going to be a really tough game it, I'm expecting a draw. Who knows what will happen? Because Braga are no pushovers.
0: Yeah, one player I'm interested in seeing is Tankovic, for sure. He obviously registered the assist in the Pauk game over the weekend, I believe, and he's, of course, a new signing. And more or less, when they use a 3-4-3, fills in for Levi Garcia on the right wing. Now, I think a 3-5-2, I agree that that might be the better option. We've talked about Montelos on the wing with the Ethniki and how it's not the best use of him. And obviously I think the same is true for Ike. And they've got so much attacking firepower up front, they can even bring Ansari Fard off the bench. But if you have Tankovic off the bench in that 3-5-2, I think that's a very good lineup to use. And I don't know if we want to get into hot takes yet, but I personally think that Ike can win this game. I think they will win this game. I think they might catch Braga off guard a little bit. I'm going to go with a 2-1 victory for Ike. I'm going to say Oliveira scores the first and Ansari Fard scores the second. And then Braga get a late goal at the end of the game, but it's too late to get back the points and Ike win. That's my prediction.
1: I'm going to stick with my prediction and say a draw.
3: Nemo? Yeah, I guess it for me it depends on what they they line up in. Uh the 3-5-2 has sounded pretty good to me, especially since on paper, like Adi said, the metrics suggest that Braga are the stronger side. And the 3-5-2 kind of lends itself to a little versatility and being able to have those wing backs drop back and create a five-man back line. And just having three center backs instead of two, it allows them to kind of be stronger defensively. And in watching Mandalo and knowing that he operates so much better in the hole, and then having two outlets in playing a three-five-two and two strikers, I think that could be very beneficial for his style of game. And the good thing is, even in that three-five-two, it does it only takes one substitution or just pulling a center back and putting in either a winger or a midfielder to completely change the shape, which I think would work to Ayak's benefit in terms of seeing how Braga. Line up and seeing how their game develops throughout the match and how they, I guess, te- make their tactical changes going into like say the second half or the final thirty minutes of the game. So, yeah, I'll keep I'll keep the optimism train rolling and say I put it together and they they get a big result and they pull out another upset. Uh,
2: it's tough for me to share in the optimism. Only, I mean. Greek teams do tend to match up better against Portuguese teams because they play slower pace. We can, we can match the pace very well. The, the more I look at the data when it comes to possession and position mapping, and I see, I see when I look at, I'm looking at each one of these games for Braga in terms of their passes and how they distribute the ball, this midfield is crowded. They love to crowd this midfield out, get the balls forward, Triangles everywhere. Um, uh, looks like interplay. A lot of link-ups here between guys like Bruno Viana, uh, Sequeria. I mean, lots of lots of great link-up here. I'm concerned because this midfield looks pretty compact. And without Simoes to compliment Krista Cic and help win those and help fight for that midfield, I don't know. I mean... Again it is a Portuguese team the slower buildup will benefit Ike in that respect. I don't know I'm gonna go with uh probably one nothing maybe even two nothing for Braga here um, I again Ike could prove me wrong but for me I think maybe the luck's gonna run out here a little bit and I think they're gonna see a, a one nothing uh you know what I'll, I'll do a hotter take I'll even say two nothing loss here. Uh, to Braga I want them to win we need it for the coefficient um, but I mean Braga's a tough cookie and Ike's had a little bit of luck so far uh, I just think it runs out a little bit here well the good news
0: I suppose is we're not really as concerned for the coefficient because obviously a Portuguese team winning doesn't really mean anything to us right it's not as big of a deal but yeah I mean it's going to be interesting either way Europa League games are almost always up in the air uh, they can almost always be either team winning uh, just because it's so many teams coming from so many different countries. So it'll be a really interesting game either way, as will Pauk. We'll have to see what happens. I am a bit worried for Ike without Simoes. He's obviously one of their most important players, but we'll see if they can pull it out. That being said, uh, I just want to thank you again, Michael, for coming on. And uh, it's a pleasure. Now that I think we've just about wrapped everything up. Uh, if you've got any final thoughts or anything you want to promote, I know we briefly mentioned that Halas Football have started their podcast, and we will definitely be interested in that, as it definitely provides a much broader view of Greek football than we might as Olympiakos fans. So I think there's sort of a nice complementary uh, respect to those two. So we're really interested in that. And if there's anything else you want to promote, whether it's where people can follow you on social media or anything else you're working on, Now's a good time.
1: Uh, so I am Michael underscore Vicini on Twitter. So you can give me a follow anytime you like. Uh, I'm part of the Elas football uh, team. For those that don't know, I run the transfer news. Just just for everyone to keep informed, I run the transfer news on the account. So for all the latest updates on, the, on Greek football, the lower leagues, transfer updates, follow Elas football, on twitter instagram and facebook we also have a blogger site subscribe to that for all the latest blogs and incredibly just uh we just released our new episode not new episode our very first podcast so that's been in the pipeline for at least the three three years long before i i joined the last football it's great to that great to have a podcast up and up and going hope for all the best uh, and hope for all the best for the Get seven guys here as well to be successful.
0: We really appreciate that, Michael, and and we're really glad that we got to come on and, and talk to you, learn a little bit about Larissa and the history of the club. We hope things start to become a little bit more positive over there. Obviously, you laid out some really pressing issues with the club, but we'll be rooting for them, make sure hopefully they don't get relegated, hopefully they can stay up.
1: I'm still sticking with my prediction for Ammonia to win. It, <laughs> it's just it, Balk does not give me confidence, guys. It, it, they do not give me confidence, especially when they're Europe. Like Ari said, they, I, I, I'm, I'm not confident. I hope they do win. I hope they do win Balk. But we saw Armenia against Olympiacos. That's the case. It, it, it's right there,
2: ladies, I'm and <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I wanted to win, ladies and gentlemen. Michael was actually the stand-in for Lambrò today.
3: Yeah, Lambrò going to be upset. <laughs> he missed this one. <laughs>
0: Oh. He would have been, he would have been piling on poor old Pauk. We're, we're going to root for Pauk. We're trying to have a, an olive branch. We're having the folks from Pauk talk on in the future. We really have no ill will. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe Lombro has some ill will, but they might not want to, I come think out out after I do <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, there are some huge European games coming up for the three Greek clubs participating in those competitions. And we will have our eyes firmly on all of those fixtures we're really excited for the start of the European campaign. Obviously, for us as Olympiakos fans, this game today is the focus of my mind right now, and it's going to be a big one. We'll be coming back to you with some analysis from that after the weekend. Of course, for Olympiakos, there is no Super League fixture this weekend, as Epo has actually moved some of the games to allow for European competition being less stressful with the condensed schedules. So, actually, they, they have done something nice for us there with that. Uh, good, on, good on them. We will continue to cover the European journeys for these three Greek teams as they continue to compete in the group stage. As far as that, I think that's about it. We would like to thank all the listeners for tuning in, especially if you've made it this far. And we're glad that we got this organized, even though Dombro could not make it. We're coming to you from all over the place today, uh, Michael obviously very ahead of me in the time zone. So that always is a bit difficult to organize, but I'm glad we got it working. It was definitely worth it. And we will see you this weekend for post-match of Marseille. Be sure to continue to interact with us on social media
2: and have a nice rest of your day and enjoy the game. And don't forget, keep an ear out and an eye out, of course, on social media for more hints about who the very mysterious special guest will be.